This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, whether that's Rovers throwing in a drab nil-nil in the Championship or taking Newcastle all the way to a penalty shootout in the fifth round of the FA Cup, You'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So, the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18+. plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. www.brfcs.com By the fans. For the fans. Since 1996. Welcome to BRFCS Podcast number 53. I'm Wen Waihu, the BRFCS editor. Yesterday, the match against Brighton was called off around noon in farcical circumstances. And here with me in the virtual studio today to talk about the circus that is Blackburn Rovers Football Club is Chief Reporter Cammy. Cammy, how are you doing? Hi, Wen, I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Things are going okay over here. Um, you've uh, missed out on the uh, Brighton match yesterday, but I believe you went to Aki Stanley. That's right, yeah. Had a had a... Good afternoon at the Crown Ground instead, yep. um, and and you know they had the same amount of rain as we did, but they managed to get the game on. Yeah. Um, but uh, unfortunately, ours was cancelled. Uh, you know there was a quite a lot of rain, um, sort of Friday and yesterday morning as well. Mm, yeah. Uh, but- incidentally, I tweeted about half eight in the morning to say that I hope the Ewood pitch can cope with the amount of rain that we we'd had over the last twenty four hours. Uh, unfortunately, you know, he wasn't able to do so. Uh, I understand that on the Friday that uh, Henningberg actually had the team out there on the Ewood pitch uh, doing a training session. Yeah, uh, you know, I've just learned that this morning as well that um, uh, Henning had a training session at Ewood Park on Friday uh, in what, what apparently you know, was really bad conditions weather-wise. Now, if that's the case, that there was a training session on Friday, then um, I'm not surprised that the game has been called off because, uh, you know, groundsmen need time to uh, prepare a pitch. And if the first team has, you know, allegedly been training there on a Friday afternoon or even Friday morning, that's not going to leave the groundsman much time to repair the damage to the pitch and, and do whatever preparatory work uh, that's needed to, to, to get the game going. So, so yeah, if, if that's what happened then, then I'm actually not surprised that the game was called off. Yeah, it's very sad. And uh, apparently uh, it's also somewhat negligent on the part of the club um, if, it's, if it's true that uh, um, there, was, there was no one around on Saturday morning uh, from, uh, uh, from the upper echelons to uh, look after things. Yeah, I mean, that's what the speculation is. Obviously, there's no way to verify if that was true or not. You know, you'd hope one of, you know, Paul Agnew, uh, Derek Shaw and, of course, Shebby Singh would be there uh, early morning. But it appears from what people are saying that, you know, the grounds, uh, the groundsman and his team were there, but no one from, like you said, the upper echelons. Uh, I hate harping back to the past, but I know for a fact if there was inclement weather, on a match day, then either John Williams or Tom Finn, usually both of them, would be at the ground you know, early morning, 8 o'clock, to make sure uh, you know, things were being prepared properly, etc. So, so you know, if it's true that none of the senior team are there, then, again, it's just another example of uh, the, the poor management um, that's going on at Ewood Park these days. Yeah. And uh, you got to feel sorry for fans that come from uh, a long way, especially the Brighton fans who come all the way up from the south coast on a horrible, horrible day. 
and uh, they arrived there at lunchtime to find their games off. I believe quite a few of them went along to Accrington Stanley to watch the game there. Yeah, yeah, quite a lot of them, you know, got up and seeing that the game had been cancelled, decided to head off uh, to a crown ground to, to watch what Jackie Stanley. Uh, they were actually quite, uh, they were, they, a lot of them weren't, weren't that surprised that the game had been called off because they'd had that long drive up. They'd seen, you know, they'd driven through the Midlands where the, the weather was really bad and seen loads of flooded fields, etc. So they were saying that they were kind of expecting some kind of, uh, you know, problems on what's it up here. But they thought we were a former Premier League club and maybe we've got the facilities to, to cope with that kind of weather. But um, So, yeah, I think they were disappointed. They'd all had a long journey, but they decided to make the best of it by going to Akistanli. And, and they were, you know, they were quite understanding in terms of, the amount of rain that that you know we've had and decide and, and the cancellation. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately for them, uh, the game at Aki Stanley was on because uh, apparently, as far as I understand it, the uh, Accrington Stanley ground staff uh, take their advice from uh, the Rovers ground staff, and uh, apparently Stanley have put in quite a lot of money uh, into the uh, playing surface over the last couple of years, whereas at uh, the Rovers uh, they've been cost-cutting exercises, uh, which results in uh, a game being called off. Yeah, shock horror, cost-cutting at Rovers. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, just par for the course these days. Uh, but uh, I will say, uh, Steve Patrick, who's a Rovers groundsman, is one of the best in the business. Uh, he really is. He's absolutely superb. Uh, he's got games on in the past where you thought there was no chance that the game would go ahead. You know, we've had much, much more rain than we had yesterday and you know, we've had freezing conditions, snow, etc. But he's always managed to get games on in much worse conditions than yesterday. So you know, I know that people were probably questioning him and, and saying that uh, something had gone wrong. Well, you know, Steve's the best in the business. Uh, I believe uh, a few years back, even Arsenal uh, wanted him to be their groundsman when they when the Arsenal groundsman left to join the Wembley pitch team. So he's very, very highly regarded. Uh, I know Steve quite well uh, from, you know, I know him and, and he's, there's there's no way him and his team would would do anything dodgy in terms of making sure that a game didn't go ahead. That that just would not happen. Uh, they're ultra professional. They're, they're, they're one of the best sort of groundsman teams in, in the business. So, uh, you know, something seriously has gone wrong yest- you know, uh, yesterday, but I wouldn't put too much blame on them. If the team was training at Ewood on Friday, then that would explain why the game didn't go ahead yesterday because, um, you know, they wouldn't have had enough time to prepare prepare for the game. You know, if it's true that the team were, were training there on Friday afternoon or even Friday morning. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, Steve Patrick's won uh, awards, hasn't he? Yeah, he's won, uh, uh, I think it was 90s, early 90s or late 90s. He won Pitch of the Year, Groundsman of the Year. So, uh, you know, he, he's honestly one of the best in the business. Yeah. I know. Uh, I think everyone knows that uh, uh, behind the riverside, surprise, surprise, there's a river there. Um, and I think that's been cited as, as being the, uh, the contributing factor. Um, now... The the text the text that the official Rovers text that uh, that you got was rather amusing I believe. Yeah, I mean, I never got it. Uh, one of my friends uh, got uh, the the text and it said uh, the Rivers game has been cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if he's winding me up or not, but apparently that's what the the test that that official text that was sent was the Rivers game has been cancelled. <laughs> Blackburn Rivers. But yeah. Yeah, but uh, it, you, you make a good point uh, when about the river behind you know the the riverside. Uh, in well, you the younger listeners won't know, but prior to '94, we used to have a lot of games cancelled, uh, you know, because of waterlogged pitches, because of the river running, you know, behind Ewood. And once that gets flooded, there's no nowhere for the water to go. Uh, but <clears throat> Rovers did a lot of work in the late '90s, early 2000s to to you know put better water pumping systems in place etc so so that's why there's been you know almost no cancellations due to waterlogged pitches since the 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 you know mid 90s cuz cuz of the work that that's been done but 
you would by its very position it's you know you know there's a river there and once that gets full to bursting point which it would have been on or because of the amount of rain that we've had then then there's nowhere for that water from Ewood to go so it's it's you know we've been lucky because of the work that was done uh, that we haven't had more games cancelled uh, because of, of of the position at Ewood Park yeah now Henningberg had the opportunity to get three points uh, yesterday um, now he's got two away games over the Christmas period uh, Borough away on Boxing Day um, he's going to have his work cut out to uh, to get any points uh, over this period and uh, and there have been suggestions that uh, uh, his uh, his head was on the block uh, if he if he failed to beat brighton this could be now the uh, borough way match that he has to has to get points from um what uh, what do you make of that yeah i mean i think i posted something on on the message board earlier this week uh I firmly believe Henningberg's in uh, uh, under a lot of pressure at the moment. Well, he's under big, big pressure to to get results and quickly. Uh, you know, it's on the record. Uh, I think Shebby said it, and I think even Henning said it when he was appointed that the minimum requirement this year is to get promoted. You know, that that's what they want, and that's his minimum requirement. He knew that before he took the job. Well. You know, if we lose, you know, we're already. I think we're sixteenth. Is it when I've not I've not checked the, the the table after yesterday's game, but we're way off playoff positions in terms of, uh, you know, we're fifteenth, sixteenth in the table. Uh, so we we've got a long, long way to go to even get to a playoff position and automatic promotions. Just not looking, you know, is is almost gone. I would say, you know, with with Cardiff getting another good result and, and the other teams in the top four continually winning games. Yeah. So, yeah, if you look at, let's look at what happened has happened over the last two weeks. Uh, you know, after the Cardiff game, uh, it's common knowledge now, I think Shebby even said it in the Radio Lancashire interview or somewhere, that there was a meeting between Henning, uh, Shebby, uh, Paul Agnew and, and Shaw uh, where they discussed you know what's gone wrong and why the results haven't happened since uh, Henning took over. Um, after that meeting, I think it was Shebby who came out and said that decisive action will be taken. You know they wouldn't sit back and they were going to take decisive action there. And and then there were reports in the local and national media uh, saying that um, the backroom staff would be removed very soon. You know they were talking about before the Blackpool game that. Black um, and Bobby Mims and Brunskill, um, these guys would all be removed and a new backroom team would be bought in. You know, so we went into the Blackpool game with a squad who were underconfident, a manager under pressure, and a backroom staff <laughs> fearing for their jobs. Uh, and and you know, nothing happened at the Blackpool game. We lost that game. Yeah. And you'd have thought, right? Well, you know, this decisive action, this reports about the backroom staff being removed would, would happen this last week. Uh-huh. Again, nothing's happened and you know, there are rumours circulating that nothing will happen till January. And then on Friday, uh, Henning, I think, gave an interview to Eurosport, I think it was, uh, or somewhere where he said that the backroom staff wouldn't be removed and that Paul Robinson wouldn't be leaving. So just on those statements alone, uh, when uh, you can see that what what Shebby is saying is completely different to what um, Henning is saying. So from that alone, um, you can deduce that there's a, a you know a difference of opinion between Shebby and Henning. Uh, I can't go into it much more than that because I've got I haven't got any proof to back up anything further. But let's just look at the public statements, and yeah. and you know, it's pretty easy to deduce just from the public statements alone, that there's obviously a difference, a big difference of opinion between uh, Shebby and, and Henningberg. Now, you know, our listeners aren't stupid, <laughs> so uh, you know, I'll leave them to deduce what's going on. But, but basically, you know, Shebby said decisive action will be taken and local media reports said, and national media reports said that the backroom staff will be leaving so you know, 
it's pretty obvious that that was a decisive action that uh, Henning was talking about, uh, that Shebby was talking about. And then a week later, the backroom staff are still there. There's mass confusion as to what's going on. And then you've got Henning saying the total opposite to what, what you know, was being reported. And he's saying that the backroom staff won't be going. So, you know, as I did, as I said in my article uh, earlier this week on, on BRFCS, it's a complete and utter circus. How you can expect a club to move forward with the shenanigans that are going on at Ewood over the last two weeks, God only knows. You know, I'm not surprised the results aren't going going well because there's complete utter chaos off the pitch. You're just just even just looking at those public statements. How can you have uh, backroom staff feeling for their jobs and then expect them to go out there and and you know prepare the team? To, to get results. You know, it shouldn't be any surprise that we're losing any games. If decisive action, as Shebby put it, was going to be taken, and if this decisive action was to remove the backroom stuff, what's the hold-up? You can't, you know, the news has leaked out. You know, there's no one, you know, Shebby hasn't come out and said, oh, it's it's not true, and the backroom staff are still saying no statements from him. So, you know, you can't have backroom staff fearing for the jobs and then a manager under pressure on top of a squad that's already underconfident. Uh, you know, it's a complete, utter recipe for disaster. And someone at Ewood Park needs to grab the, you know, grab the bull by the horns and and take charge because uh, at the moment, you know, the chaos that's surrounding the club is is, you know, it's getting to absolute staggering proportions. To be honest, and and something needs to be done, um, and someone needs to take control. Um, otherwise, you know, we're, we're we're heading for really big trouble, and 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 someone at Ewood needs to take charge of the situation. And and honestly, I feel really sorry for Henningberg. He's coming, you know, he's coming to take over a squad which has been managed by Steve Keane for two years. So we can't expect overnight miracles. But you know, the very least a manager needs is a a club that's well organised off the pitch, uh, a managerial structure that's stable and a manager needs to be given the full you know, autonomy to do whatever he wants bring whichever players he wants into the squad uh, bring whichever backroom team he wants and and no interference from anyone outside you know outside influences if he's a manager he should be allowed to run the team in the way that he sees fit and then then he can be judged not not at the moment you know he's had nine games and there's been complete utter pandemonium off the pitch. He's having to deal with the remnants of the Steve Keane regime. And, you know, I, I feel really sorry for him that he's come into this situation. Obviously, he knew what he was coming into, but I think even Henning didn't expect it to be to be like this. No, I, I don't think he could have imagined... Uh, I don't think anyone can really imagine just how bad it is down at Ewood, to be honest. Um the uh, the idea of you know ha- having uh, someone like uh, a global advisor interfering in uh, team matters and on on the pitch matters is just beyond me. Um, now, just going back to the backroom team stuff, uh, Kevin McDonald was invited to come and take part in training. I believe. Uh, what what was the story there down at uh, Brockall? Was it? Yeah, the Kevin McDonald story. I think. I think someone posted it on our message board, but uh, as far as I know, he's not been anywhere near Brockhole. He's not been at the training ground. And, you know, as far as, again, I know, Henning didn't storm off uh, from Brockhole because of Kevin McDonald or what happened at the Christmas party. So, so um, you know, that, that's that's all not true in terms of um, you know, Kevin McDonald being at Brockhole. Mm. Um, so all of this was supposed to have taken place after the uh, Christmas party. Yeah, someone said that there'd been a mass argument between Shebby and uh, um, Henning at Brockhall on Tuesday or Wednesday, right. and that Henning had stormed out and you know was about to resign. Um, all of which uh, well, was not true. You know, he was at on the day that they were mentioned. Henning was at Brockhall all day. And, and, you know, there was no argument uh, or even if there was an argument, which I'm not sure of, 
he did certainly did not uh, uh, storm out of Brockle. Yeah. Well, was Kevin McDonald actually there though? He he did come to to the Rovers. As far as I know, no. I mean, I've checked with a few that. people. Yeah, I've checked with a few people, and they've all said that you know he wasn't you know he's not been at Brock or, or anywhere near there. So so you know I I can't say hundred percent that he wasn't there, but the few people that I've talked to, they've all said no, he, he wasn't there. Mm, possible mischief making. Possible, yes. Okay, and uh, you mentioned the Christmas party there. Uh, that's even made the news. Uh, what on earth is that all about? Uh, Henningberg is being asked to don silly wigs and make a fool of himself by by the DJ, I believe. Yeah, I think he was asked to get on the stage and sing a song or whatever, which I think he agreed to do. But then the DJ told him to don uh, a Michael Jackson wig or something, or or someone told him to put a Michael Jackson wig on. Mm-hmm. At which point, quite rightly, he he. Um, you know, drew the line, and he went back to his seat. That was pre- I, he was probably a bit annoyed by it as well. You know, yeah. that's not the kind of thing. Henning's quite a reserved man anyway. Yes. So for him to, even, <laughs> you know, he's not he's not Barry Fry or anyone. You know, who mm. probably love that kind of situation. Uh, he's quite reserved, quite uh, intelligent. You know, he's you know, so it's not the kind of thing that he'd go for. And nor should he. You know, he's the manager of the football team. Uh, the players are there. He's got a keep some form of authority over him, you know, you know, and they don't want him see him on the stage with a Michael Jackson wig on. Uh, so I think he probably was a bit annoyed by it. But uh, again, I think the story was that he stormed out of uh, the party. Uh, as far as I know, he didn't storm out. He may well have been annoyed, but I think the agreed time to leave was about half nine. Uh, you know, at which time he did leave about half nine-ish. He probably was annoyed, but didn't want to be put into that situation. Uh, but I don't think he, he he stormed out. What I was more amazed by was that the club released their official statement yeah. about it. <laughs> what on earth is that? Yeah, thus confirming that the story was true. You know, that's just ridiculous. Uh, you know, with those kind of situations, just don't comment on it at all. Yeah. You know, but the fact that they... Uh, released an official statement uh, was just bonkers beyond, beyond belief. Really, you you actually confirmed that there was something in the story. <laughs> so again, another PR disaster. Uh, whereas they should have just kept quiet, and nobody would have, you know, people would have made a little bit of a chuckle, and and that was it. But by uh, releasing an official statement, it actually confirmed the story. And then what happened was uh, Henning's pre mass pre-match presser, uh, he was then, he gave the journalist the opportunity to ask him questions about it because the club had made an official comment. So Henning then had to talk, I mean, he didn't talk much about it. He said, well, everything I've got to say is in the statement. But the fact that an official statement was put out then, it it gives the Stuart story credence. And, and you know, it is not the kind of thing that uh, a club should be doing. Yeah. Do you think there's any element of... Uh... Uh, you know, this being premeditated to put out such a statement to put him under more pressure to undermine him. I mean, the thing is, when the amount of leaks coming out of Ewood Park is just is stupid now, uh, and some of it obviously very very damaging. You know, like the backroom staff story getting yeah. leaked. You know, if that had been kept internally, then then it would have done the damage that it has done. But once it got leaked out. Then you know it's out there in the public domain. That does a lot of damage. And then again, this story um, uh, getting leaked, it it smacks of mischief making. Now, you know, at this Christmas party, all the Rover staff were there, so it wasn't just you know senior executives or anything. So it could have come from from anywhere. But yeah, the amount of stories that are coming out that are then I either uh, putting pressure on Shebby or putting pressure on on Henning. Are, are are getting to ridiculous proportions, and ultimately, all they're doing is actually affecting the performance of the team, you know, on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, stories. If it's or oh, we're after Ronaldo or Messi or transfer stories leaking, they aren't as damaging as as the kind of leaks that are coming out even at present. You know, transfer stories just part of the game. Your rumor speculation, but but these kind of leaks particularly the backroom staff one, 
uh, it, it gets to damaging proportions then. And and you know, I I'm I'm in a very fortunate position. I get to hear all sorts of stuff, and all sorts of stuff is leaked to me. But uh, my filter is, and and I know I know Andy Cry is pretty similar, uh, and a few other locally based journalists. We often don't run stories or don't mention stuff that's leaked to us because we know the kind of damage that it could do to the team. So you know, when I get told stuff, half of it, well, ninety percent of it, I don't even report because uh, you know my first priority is to make sure any story that I do doesn't have any negative impact on 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 the club on the team so but you know a lot of national journalists they look for the big scoop so if it's been leaked to them then they'll have they won't even think twice about running uh, these kind of stories of course yeah. now um we've also heard uh this last few days uh, that uh, Juden Ali has been uh, shadowing Henningberg, I believe. Now, Juden Ali was uh, rumoured to be being lined up by Shebby uh, as uh, as the manager when the uh, selection process was uh, was ongoing. Of course, Henning was uh, selected. Um, Juden Ali now turns up at the club and uh, is apparently uh, still there, I believe. I'm not sure if he's there now, but he you know he was there for quite a while and he may well still be here. But the official line is that um, he's here in the pre-arranged agreement, so that it was done weeks and weeks and weeks ago that he would come and and shadow uh, at Rovers, you know, not just uh, Henning, but the you know the youth team coaches. So he'd be getting a good uh, sort of feeling for how the club is run and how coaching sessions are done and how everything is organised. Uh, and apparently this was arranged uh, is a pre-existing agreement. So, again, you've got to take that at face value. But, uh, you know, he is very, very... I think he's quite pally with, with the owners as well, uh, Judan, uh, due to the work that he's doing in India. Um, so, so yeah, um, he's been around... I'm not sure if he's still around now, but he, you know, I, I need to check that. Um, I'll I'll give you an update in the next podcast. But the official line was that he he was here as a on a pre-existing agreement uh, to do some kind of shadowing of not just Henning but of all the coaches and and to see how things are run at Ewood. Uh, but you know, again, with the results not going the way that that Henning would have liked, and with the speculation. You know, previous speculation that he could possibly be given the Rovers job at some point. Then again, it's a distraction that's possibly not needed at, at present. You know, the focus should be again on the team, on preparing them to go out there and get the results. And maybe, you know, if this was a pre-existing agreement, maybe they could have postponed it uh, for him to come maybe during an international break or you know to come. When, when Rovers didn't have a game for a week or two, uh, to come at this point when A, the manager's under a lot of pressure, the results aren't going and going well and at one of probably the busiest period of the season, again, uh, is probably not something that uh, is, is a, you know, is again, maybe another sign of poor planning. Yeah. Uh, if it's just part of his general education, then as you say, uh, Maybe uh, another time of uh, year, another time in the season would have been better when Rovers isn't in such a state of upheaval. Yeah, and you know, like we have loads of you know, in February, March, March, April time, the, there's lots of international breaks. Or God forbid, if you go out of the FA Cup, you might have a, a week off. Uh, you're in between or international break. There's usually two weeks of no games. So you'd have thought that would be a better time for someone to come and do a shadowing then to come in December, January, when it's the busiest period of the season, where games come thick and fast. Yeah. So to move on, um, in your article this last week, uh, The Circus Continues, that you put up on the front page of BRSCS, uh, you were suggesting that uh, Tom Finn might be willing to come back to the Rovers. Uh, John Williams, you suggested... Uh, there's uh, too much water on the bridge for him to consider coming back. Um, you also said uh, uh, a few weeks ago when Yoda posed the question, is it time to rehire JW, uh, John Williams, 
you, you posted in reply to that that uh, their par paranoia, Ray JW, is absolutely breathtaking. What comments do you have on that? Yeah, I mean, first of all, you know, Tom's not said to me or anything that he wants to come back. That was just me uh, um, sort of speculating uh, that, you know, if given, you know, who's to say, giving, if they were to give Tom the right reassurances in terms of, you know, being able to run the club in a way that he wants, etc., then who's to say that he wouldn't be interested in coming back because of, of his, you know, he loves the club, you know, he, you know, he obviously worked here for a number of years and he you know, was instrumental in, in making Rovers one of the best run clubs in Europe, never mind in, in the UK. So so you know, he, you know, he may well be open to a return. You know, the question has never been asked of him. Uh, so you know, if and I put in my in my you know in my post earlier this week that if Shebby was serious about you know wanting to um take the club forward and you know with all due respect to Shebby he's got no experience of running a football club you know he's he may well be a great pundit you know he may well understand the football the game of football uh, from his experience of playing it you know I can't comment on that but he has no experience of football administration and you know finding good football administrators is not an easy thing to do uh, and again, I've been very lucky to have known quite a few different football administrators. And, you know, honestly, it's it's a very specialised task and not anyone can do it. So you know, I put on my blog post that if Shebby was serious about taking the club forward, then the best thing that he could do is to bring in a proper experienced football administrator and give that football administrator the power to run the club and you know if he did that so someone like Tom Finn or if, you know, if they don't want to go back to Tom there's few others out there that if he wants to give me a ring I'll, I'll give you the names of them and uh, you know if he if he did that put a good football administrator in gave him the power to run the club so you know it doesn't mean that Shebby has to give up all his power it just means that off the pitch, you know, allow them to make decisions, listen to them, then there's a chance that they can turn this round. But if they don't do that and they don't bring a good football administrator in, then the chaos off the pitch will, will, will just continue. You know, when you had Tom and John, you never heard of any chaos off the pitch or stories leaking out because they knew, they knew how to run the football club. So... So you know that was my one of my reasons for posting uh, my my post you know earlier this week the circus continues because uh, you know th someone needs to take charge and I've you know if Shebby is really serious about taking this club forward then he really needs to look at bringing in a proper experienced respected football administrator and someone like Tom Finn coming back to the club would be a fantastic move by Venkies because the fans would respect him. And and you know he knows how to run a run a football club. As for John, um, I think I the Yoda post, and I, you know again I can't prove any of this, but allegedly you know um, Venkis think that possibly John you know was involved with the protest movement. I think um, I think it was somebody from Bragg posted it a few months ago that they you know, you know, that they that there've been suggestions that John Williams was behind. Uh, uh, the protest movement and that John had you know got the media against them etc etc so so that was the the paranoia thing but I think the way that John left and and the, the, the things that have happened since I think there's probably no chance of him ever coming back or Venky's ever uh, wanting John to come back to the club but you know so so that one too much has happened for John to even consider coming back but you know Tom Finn you know Possibly, you know, if the question's never been asked of him, and if he was given certain reassurances, you know, who's to say that he wouldn't be uh, open to a return? Mm. Interesting, and uh, that would presuppose that uh, uh, he would be given the uh, necessary authority to carry out his uh, uh, his uh, his job. Uh, would uh, would he would he have the opportunity to ever? Uh, um, you know, carry out his duties uh, properly. Well, yeah, 
I mean, obviously, he would need some kind of written assurances, I think, <laughs> uh, that he would be given the necessary, necessary authority to to uh, to make decisions and and run things in certain areas. Uh, that 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 would be the only way that I would assume that he would come back. Yeah, if at all, you know, he could he could well say I'm not coming back, regardless of what what uh, guarantees that they gave him. But you know, maybe the question needs to be asked. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I mean, essentially, your uh, your point your point is that we need a proper football administrator rather than Tom Finn yeah. per se. Yeah, 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 yeah. We need someone with experience who's respected who's got a good track record you know uh, you know it's as important as a manager you know a lot of people just think oh having a good manager and that's it everything's everything sorted it isn't um, you need to have a really good backroom you're know, off the field team you're know, a strong chairman good chief executive you know you know we had really good people at Ewood Park Martin Goodman you're a fantastic finance man. We had Tom and John. We had Simon Williams, you know, Johnson, who was really good at the marketing side of things. You know, that's why the corporate stuff was all good. You know, we had uh, a good football secretary. You know, they've all gone and they all went within a year of, of Enki's uh, arriving. And, you know, I'm afraid to say that they were, first of all, replaced with Vinith Rao, of all people, who made the right pig's ear of things, and Paul Hunt came in, who had some good ideas, but you know that letter that was leaked, uh, it showed that you know he wasn't given the necessary authority to make decisions. So obviously he was he was removed, and and you know then Simon Hunt was there as a director of football, and him and Vinith have disappeared. You know so there's been too much upheaval, and continuously that the. the the thing that they've done is they continuously bought in the wrong people uh, with the with the wrong expertise, uh, you know, not with the right skill set, and and that's why we now find ourselves in this position of not being having a stable uh, management structure off the pitch, and you know, not being run as professionally as we have been run in the past, and I think that's what frustrates fans because uh, we were one of the best run clubs in, in Europe I would say and now we're probably one of the worst run clubs in Europe and that's all happened in the last two years so you know fans get annoyed angry and and you know quite understandably you know we've we've become like I said a circus and so what something needs to be done yeah well, from uh, the shenanigans behind the scenes on the administration side to the shenanigans behind the scenes on the uh, playing staff side, uh, we've got the transfer window coming up, and uh, uh, Paul Robinson is uh, perhaps the, the main focus of attention at the moment. There's uh, all kinds of rumours uh, going around about uh, uh, why he was left out uh, against Blackpool, uh, suggestions that maybe. Uh, at the behest of Shebby Singh. Uh, we'll never know about that, perhaps. But um, it does look as though Robbo's being pushed out. Uh, he's only got uh, uh, another half year until next summer uh, on his present contract. So it would make sense to get rid of a, of a high earner uh, and uh, uh, get him off the wage bill and also get a bit of money in. Uh, there's also one or two other players that may... Uh, may interest uh, overseas clubs. Uh, I believe that uh, Newell's old boys have been making inquiries about Formica and also uh, there have been some suggestions uh, in the Lancashire Telegraph. I believe that uh, Enrique and Rosado are also uh, getting some, some kind of interest. Uh, going back to Paul Robinson, um, what, uh, what have you heard uh, about uh, his position? Um. Obviously not. I'm not able to confirm whether he'd be pushed out of the club or anything like that. That's just your know, speculation at, at this juncture. But uh, the fact is, Paul Robinson wants first team football, and you know he said it himself when the Brad Friedel stories uh, came out around the loan deadline day. You know where he said, you know he would be talking to the club and that if he wasn't first choice, then he'd he'd want to leave. Uh, he was dropped um, against Blackpool. For young Jake Keane, uh, a mysterious injury appeared 
in the last week or so. <laughs> so he was apparently injured uh, for this Saturday. Uh, but that game was cancelled. So come January, if he's not back in the team, if, if he's not, if he's back up or reserve team or whatever, then obviously he'll be looking to move on. And uh, I suspect there'll be quite a few of Premier League clubs. You know, I think um, um, Sam, Big Sam, is a big fan of Paul Paul Robinson, and I, I know uh, Paul loves uh, Sam Allardyce as well. He he credits him with rebuilding his confidence uh, after he arrived at Ewood. Um, you know, he'd had a torrid time at Tottenham. He'd been dropped from England. He'd had to deal with Paul Ince as manager for the first three <laughs> months of his Rose, <laughs> Rose career. So that was a, a scary experience for him anyway. Uh, and it was only when Sam came in that you know Sam's one-to-one work with him uh, on a psychological basis and and the coaching he gave him etc built rebuilt his confidence <laughs> well, and then, if uh, Paul Ince can do that to him what's uh, 18 19 months or so Steve King going to have done well, to him that was about to go on to then <laughs> once his confidence had all been built up and he was starting to look good again then he had to deal with Steve Keane for 18 months so that's <laughs> that's enough to send anyone over the edge My so yeah so uh, you know, it's it's. I, I mean, I'd be amazed if he's still at Ewood Park uh, come the end of January. I think he'll be one that definitely be going out. Uh, I don't think Rosado will be going anywhere. If Shebby Singh has anything to do with him, uh, with it, because he's one of Shebby's you know recommended signings. Same with Enrique. Uh, same with Adinho Junior. I, I mean, if Chevy had his way, I would suspect that if Chevy was a manager, they'd be playing week in, week out in the first team. Yeah. So, so no, I don't think they'd yeah. be going anywhere. Uh, for Mika's one, uh, I think River Plate are also looking at him. Uh, News old boys are looking at him. So, uh, I think he's done all right since uh, Henning's been in touch, uh, in charge. I think he's you know worked hard and he's you know shown some good glimpses in some of the games. He's a bit in and out. Some games he's really good, but then. In some games, he disappears. Um, so, so I think if if a decent offer comes in for him, then uh, possibly Rose will let look to let him go. Uh, but I mean, to be honest, at this moment, we're not sure about what what the future holds for Henning at the moment. So, I don't think anything about transfers etc. Has, has even been discussed. I know Shebby um, admitted it in his Radio Lancashire interview. Or a week and a half ago, yeah. where he said they didn't discuss what was going to be happening in January. Uh, again, that suggests to me I'm not sh- that there's some doubt about whether Henning will still be here in January. Um, and and you know, so I think they need that situation sorted first before they can even start thinking about um, you know what what happens in January in terms of transfers. And and I, I suspect with the January transfer window looming. And with Rovers really wanting to go up this year, that you know the transfer side of things could possibly be the trigger for them, you know, to make a change or something because they don't want to let Henning spend money if he's not going to be the manager there for the long term. So, so again, it's it's all this uncertainty, you know, stuff off the pitch that's that's causing the problems. Shebby talked to bloggers um, a week last Thursday, I think it was. And those articles have started to come out now. Now, I don't know in what context he said this, but so, you know, I wasn't there, so I don't know in what context. But on face value, he said something about when they were looking for a manager, uh, one of the guys they wanted was already in a job, and now he's out of a job, and he may well be interested in Rovers. Now, you can't, I mean, I wasn't there, so I have to, you know, I don't know in what context he said that, but on face value, no way should you know the global advisor, the guy in charge, be saying that in a at a public meeting for for bloggers to report. Uh, so obviously I wasn't there, so I need to check in what context. But just on face value, that alone is going to cause chaos. You know that is pretty much saying that you know if if Henning doesn't get the results, there's somebody there. And assuming I can only assume he means Mark Hughes. You know Mark Hughes was in a job. Uh, when we were looking for a new manager, apparently we wanted him, according to this quote, and and now he's saying he's available and could be possibly interested in a job. So, so again, just one 
other example of of why you know Shebi really needs to look at what he's saying in a public forum you know because uh, this is going to get reported i think alan nixon uh, has picked up this quote uh, and did an article in the daily mirror and i think there were a few other uh, sort of not well known sites but you know fan sites etc who also picked up on it so so the henning situation needs sort being needs sorting first and then they can start to think about the transfer but they need to get this transfer window right uh, because if they don't then any small hope that we have of even getting a top 6 place will will be gone and i think the key position that we need to strengthen is central midfield because uh, dixon otuhu and danny murphy uh, haven't really done it for me now they may well come good in the second half of the season but we can't risk it so the priority area for me will would be central midfield first and then possibly out wide if Maro Fumika is going to be going, then bringing somebody else in with a, with a little bit of pace. So those are the two areas I'd be looking at immediately. Mm, yeah. Now, uh, to just move on, players uh, who may be coming back in uh, January, uh, Leon Best, he's been out since uh, pre-season. Um, he's making good progress, I believe, with his uh, recovery from injury. Yeah, I checked uh, on Friday and I was told that he's doing really, really well. He's bang on schedule. Uh, in fact, he's ahead of schedule, but uh, quite rightly, Rose aren't pushing him. They want to make sure he's 110% right before they even get him on the pitch. He's well ahead of schedule. Uh, and, you know, if they pushed him, they could get him back, you know, mid-January. But uh, quite rightly, Rovers have been cautious with him. And, you know, we could possibly see him make an appearance maybe on the bench or something uh, before the end of January, which will be fantastic. You know, it's, you know, he's top, top striker. And I'm really looking forward to seeing him and Rhodes play up front together. I think they, I think they'd be a really good partnership and it'll allow Rhodes to play off best. Because uh, at the moment, you know, Jordan's been playing with his back to goal and he's been a main striker holding up the ball. Well, if Leon Best comes in, he can do that job and allow Jordan to play off him. So, so yeah, he's making very good progress and uh, Rovers are being cautious with him. But uh, fingers crossed for a return in January. Yeah, yeah, it'd be pretty tasty up front with uh, Best and uh, Jordan Rhodes. Uh, Leon Best with his uh, physical presence and uh, his uh, pace. Uh, Nuno Gomez, uh, he's gone missing recently. Um, is he? Is he? Really injured, or what's, yeah. the, what's the situation with him? Yeah, no, no, he's he's injured. I don't know what what the injury is, but he's definitely. I think he's picked up an injury and he's just not quite there at the moment. Obviously, with his age, it takes him longer to get over over injuries. But yeah, it, yeah, it's not a Steve Keno kind of information uh, uh, situation where players just went missing uh, and <laughs> picked up mystery injuries that went on for months and months. But yeah. And Nuno has picked up a, an injury, uh, and, th- and that's why he's not been involved. Yeah, because uh, Nuno Gomez and uh, Jordan Rhodes p- were uh, putting a quite nice little partnership together early in the season. It's uh, rather unfortunate that uh, they couldn't have developed that. Yeah, no, I thought he was doing well. When Henning came in, he did drop him uh, to play Ruchina in, in that position, but uh, then... Nuno picked up a, uh, an injury and then just not got, you know, is not being fit again to be even be available for selection. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. When I thought him and uh, Rhodes were developing quite a good understanding, uh, but when Henning came in, he wanted to give uh, Ruchina a go in that position, so he was dropped for a couple of games, and then he picked up this injury, um, and, and he obviously not been back in the team since. Yeah. Well. Um... We've got uh, Middlesbrough away on Boxing Day, uh, followed by Barnsley away. Um, it could be that uh, Henning Berg has uh, seen Ewood Park for the last time on match day. Um, we'll be able to tell you more about that in the coming days. Um, hopefully not, because uh, I prefer the points, to be honest. And uh, Henning, if he, if he can uh, establish himself and uh, establishes authority. Um, I think uh, you can you can start to rebuild the club uh, from the inside. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, a really tough game at Middlesbrough. Uh, you know, they're very good at home. 
then Barnsley away, then I think it's Nottingham Forest at home, so, so the next three fixtures, and they're not really any easy games, um, particularly when you know we've had such bad results over the last you know, eight or nine games, I'm sure confidence is down, but I'm desperately hoping that um, Henning can get a win um, at Middlesbrough and then start to build from there. Uh, but I think if he loses, then you know it'll be very difficult for him. I think I think uh, a loss to Middlesbrough and unfortunately that could possibly be curtains for him. But hopefully not. You know we need the points and hopefully he can get a result and start taking us forward from there. Yeah. Good. Well, that's all we've got time for today. Uh, thanks ever so much for taking time out, Cammy. No pleasure, and just like to uh, wish everyone a you know very merry Christmas and uh, thank everyone for um, you know all the support that they've given us over the last year uh, in terms of um, you know downloading these podcasts and the comments that they leave on the threads or that they tweet to us. Uh, we really really appreciate it. I think when we started these, what was it over a year ago now? When? A year and a half ago, yeah. A year and a half, yeah. We thought we might get 100 listeners or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not average downloads of what? I think, is it 15,000 or something? Last time we checked. Um, yeah, I've, I haven't yeah. checked for a while, to be honest. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, thousands. Thousands, yeah, instead of the hundreds that we were expecting. <laughs> yeah, incredible. Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks everyone for listening in and uh, for your support. Uh, over the past 12 months wherever you are in the world uh, we do hope you do take care have a, a Merry Christmas everyone thank you very much Sports Social Podcast Network It's the 90th minute all you mates around you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget snatching all three points perfect Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.